Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Addiction Audio, the podcast from the journal Addiction. I am in New Delhi in India at the moment at the International Society for Addiction Medicine Conference and I'm joined by someone who's just published a new research article in addiction to tell us a little bit about her work. So can I just get you to introduce yourself? Hi, thanks for having me, Susie. Um, my name's Shalini, Dr. Shalini Aranagiri, and I'm a psychiatrist from Australia and also work as a researcher in Monash University in Melbourne. So you've just published a paper about GHB in addiction. Um, before we hear about the paper, do you want to tell us a little bit about what GHB is? Yep, so GHB is a substance that's used quite widely in recreational settings um, in Australia, in the UK and in other parts of the world. Um, what we know about GHB use is um, historically we know that it's used quite often in party scenes, in um, club settings, in festivals and chemsex. But what we haven't necessarily had until recently is a broader understanding of um, use outside of those contexts and representative data around that use. So do you want to tell us a little bit about what you did in your research that's just been published? Yeah, so we recently published this article looking at GHB use over the last seven years in Australia. Um, and what we have access to is this um, really unique database that looks at all drug and alcohol related presentations um, to ambulances. So all attendances for ambulances across the state of Victoria. Um, which is the state in which Melbourne's represented as well, and looking at all of the presentations across the state for drug and alcohol-related attendances, we can sample um, any sort of presentations related to any drugs and understand what those presentations look like, how that changes over time, trends, etc. So within this article, we looked at a seven-year period from 2012 to 2018, and we analysed um, how trends changed over that time that were presentations that were related to GHB, and we also then looked at presentations that were related to core use with other drugs um, within that time period. And what did you find? So what we found was um, a little bit surprising and alarming for us um, in the sense that there was a 147% increase in GHB-related ambulance attendances over that time period. Um, what we also found was that the majority of that increase was attributable to um, GHB in relation to use together with methamphetamine. Um, so we saw over that period what we traditionally thought was the picture, so GHB being used alone or also GHB used with alcohol, that that was relatively stable or even in the case of alcohol decreased over that time period. But GHB and methamphetamine really went up. Oh, wow. And do you have any, were you able to get at why that might be happening from your data or do you yeah. have any theories? So we have some theories. Um, it's tricky with this database because um, the data specifically depends on the paramedic or the ambulance attendance officer to actually take down all of those notes at the clinical scene, write down what they think is clinically relevant. And so it's not necessarily the most thorough um, understanding of the clinical presentation. And we don't ask people at the time why they were using and um, why they had those harms. So the richness of that is not really explorable in this database. But what we do know is that the GHB and methamphetamine use in particular um, resulted in a significant increase in, in sort of transport to hospital. So we know that this is translating into burden sort of in emergency settings and so on. Yeah. And in terms of public health risk, are there extra risks from mixing GHB with either alcohol or with methamphetamine? Yeah, so absolutely. Um, again, this is not necessarily from this data, but we know that um, use of, of you know, GHB with other drugs in and of itself is increasing the risk of, of harms. 
what we know traditionally is that GHB in use with alcohol generates different types of risk profiles compared to GHB with methamphetamine. And this could somewhat relate also to why the person's using GHB with that other drug. Um, GHB with stimulant use, so some of the theories that we explored within our paper were that that stimulant use profile might be um, facilitating increased use of both drugs as well. So you're using sort of a depressant chemical and an activating sort of stimulant chemical at the same time. Um, so that can cause sort of increased harms in terms of prolonged use periods, for instance, or drug-drug um, interactions as well between the two. And I guess these are quite sort of extreme, someone being taken to hospital for their substance use. Do you know much about how, how this relates to the underlying prevalence of use of GHB in that area? Yeah, so that's a problem, I guess, with GHB, because um, in Australia and certainly in the rest of the world, too, the actual prevalence of GHB use in a population level is very low. So it's, you know, less than sort of 0.1, of, of ever use in a, in a um, prevalence type study. Mm-hmm. So relating that to, to these sort of samples is quite different. And what we're really looking at here is acute harms. It doesn't show whether the person's dependent on, on the drug or on either of the drugs that they're presenting with. So this is just one part of the bigger picture. Um, in Australia, traditionally, we've had other sort of sentinel samples that give us information around these sorts of use. So um, generally what information we've got on GHB has been drawn from samples of people who use ecstasy as their primary drug, um, often in festival or, or club settings. Um, and so in those populations, the prevalence hasn't actually gone up of GHBs. So what we're seeing and what we're thinking about here is maybe we're looking at other types of samples that are not already sampled in existing subsets. What do you think the implications of your findings are? I think um, a lot of this paper was... um, really informed and driven from a clinical space primarily because clinicians were saying that we were seeing more people with GHB problems presenting, seeking treatment for GHB. And so that was new to us. Um, You know, anecdotally, we were talking to each other and saying this is a new thing that we're seeing. Why is this happening? We don't traditionally see a lot of people presenting to drug and alcohol mainstream services seeking help for GHB. And then within that subset, we were seeing more people actually having concomitant methamphetamine and GHB dependence. So that's what kind of drew um, this paper in the, in the start. I think the implications of this are clearly that if the person is using both of the substances together, we need to start understanding what the um, implications this has for harm reduction. So actually getting messages out to people who are using the two things together that this might be associated with more harm. But I think on the other end of the spectrum, understanding if people are actually dependent on both drugs, how we might need to actually adapt the treatment approach. Because currently, um, our treatment approaches in terms of detox settings, in terms of longer-term um, outpatient treatment, really are um, about GHB alone or methamphetamine alone, and they don't necessarily concomitantly look at both substances. GHB withdrawal, if someone is actually very de- very dependent on it, can be very medically um, risky and dangerous. So we really want to make sure that, you know, on top of that, if you have methamphetamine dependence, that we have a uh, appropriately tailored response, that we're not missing sort of, you know, severe risks, um, risk of delirium, for instance, in that withdrawal period, and that we're getting the message out there to both kind of individuals who use it, but also the clinicians who are treating them, that this sort of profile does really necessitate sort of medical oversight and getting people into the appropriate space for, for getting treatment. You've kind of touched on this already, but do you know much about who is using GHB? Because there's sort of a popular conception is that the right word? Yeah. A, a popular belief that GHB is primarily used by by men who have sex with men in that kind of inner chemsex context. But is that is that what you're seeing in the people who are being yeah. taken to hospital? Yeah. So, again, this database doesn't necessarily help us um, look at that in a very granular fashion. Mm-hmm. 
But what we did see, and which was a little bit surprising to us, is whilst it was overrepresented in, in men, um, it wasn't significantly overrepresented in men. So we were actually still seeing a substantial proportion of women presenting with GHB-related problems, both GHB alone as well as GHB with the other drugs, including methamphetamine. So that suggests to us that it's not just this subculture that we're looking at, and it's broader than that. Um, we also were seeing populations um, across kind of the state, so not just in inner city sort of metropolitan settings presenting with harm. So I think, you know, the next step from here is actually to do a little bit more work, um, and some of this might be qualitative work in actually talking to people who use the drug regularly um, to actually understand what um, the culture actually looks like around this use. I think that's um, been shown as well in the Global Drug Survey, which obviously isn't a prevalence study, but they also found that while, I think this is right, while percentage-wise the, the largest percent was um, men who have sex with men, mm. actually in terms of absolute numbers heterosexual men were using GHB more, but just a smaller proportion of them, Yeah, that makes sense. So I guess your findings exactly. show as well that it's a more complicated or more more widely used substance than perhaps popular popular belief might, might suggest. Exactly. Um, I think the other point in this study was um, looking at sort of core use. We set out to look at GHB presentations and then understand core use. Um, we could have, you know, equally done this the opposite way to look at the other drug and then GHB co-use presented in that. So it's an overlapping um, sample in that way. And I guess that's relevant because if we think about the co-use relating to the harms of GHB and methamphetamine, it's not clear from our study whether we're looking at people who use GHB who have um, as their primary problem or their primary sort of use and then have methamphetamine on top of that or vice versa. Um, in a sort of harm sample where it's not about dependence, um, that may not be as relevant because people might just be using two things at the same time. But if we're actually looking at understanding what the treatment approaches need to be, um, I think then we actually do need to have a bit more understanding of what the person's using as their primary drug and what the function of the other drug is in that context as well. So is that where you think qualitative work might be might come in really useful to kind of yeah. get more in depth about what what the motivations motivations of people for using these two drugs together? Yeah. If, if one is to deal with sort of withdrawal symptoms or unpleasant intoxication symptoms of the other, then it's really important to know sort of yeah. the bi-directional relationship how it actually works. And I think so. There's qualitative samples in terms of people who are dependent, not necessarily people who are just experiencing harm, but I think also clinical samples, so clinical studies and sort of detox settings and outpatient settings to understand what that sample looks like as well, whether there's co-use and, and the direction of that co-use. So for the people listening to this podcast or who might be reading your paper in addiction, um, do you have any, what are your sort of key take-home messages from your, from your study? So I think for the Australian audience and for the Australian context, I think it's important for Australians to know that, um, that GHB use can generate harms and that, that um, use and harms are actually increasing in the Australian context. I think what's a clear take-home message too is that core use of GHB and methamphetamine is um, on, the, on the rise, but also increasingly associated with harms too. Um, I think for researchers um, who are listening, I think it's really about trying to understand now from a more granular context, um, what does population look like? Um, we need to actually understand that to be able to take this to the next step for clinical studies. Fabulous. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of this fantastic conference to come and talk to us today. Thanks for having me.